0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast where we bring you news and analysis from all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome. We journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution want to take a minute to thank our subscribers. Because of your support, we were able to make this podcast available to everyone. Our reporting and local journalism is because of subscriber support of our newspaper. If you are not a print or digital newspaper subscriber, join us. Go to AJC.com and sign up today. Thank you, and continue to follow our reporting in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and online at AJC.com. And today we're joined by Tia Mitchell, the AJC's Washington correspondent, to talk about the busy weekend and lineup of events we've got going on with the Georgia Senate runoffs. Tia, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. You know, it's Getting cold up here in Washington, but we're hanging in there.
0: Well, before we launch into the Senate office, we also had a, a very pecul- peculiar House race that I think we could just begin by talking about. Um, it, this is the race for to, to to fill out the remainder of the late John Lewis's term. Nikema Williams already won the election for to fill the term in January to, the, a new two year term, but first you had to fill out the remaining month on his his unexpired term.
1: That's right. Um, You know, John Lewis died of pancreatic cancer in July. And his term, you know, he has an official term through January 3rd when the new Congress and Nikema Williams is sworn in. So Governor Kemp called a special election. Um, The reason why that special election has dragged on is because there was an initial – slate of seven candidates. And that election was September 29th. Because it's a federal election, you have to space them out to allow military overseas to vote. So that special election on September 29th, no one got to 50%. So there had to be a runoff. And again, because that has to be spaced out, the runoff was this past Tuesday, December 1st.
0: And he'll serve just for a handful of weeks before um, before moving on and ceding to to Nakeem Williams. So, what what do you think the allure of running an election and and and, and you know facing a runoff uh, is just just to serve for for basically a month?
1: Well, in Hall's lucked out. You know, the Secretary of State's office moved quickly to transmit the election results to uh, the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. So she's swearing in Kwanzaa Hall um, today, which is Thursday, so two days later. And that's going to allow him to participate in some pretty you know, important votes. We think there's going to be some type of vote on government funding because uh, there's a shutdown deadline of December 11th. And we know members of Congress want to avoid a government shutdown if they can. But there's also a potential coronavirus stimulus that may either be part of that government funding or a separate proposal. There's also the big um, National Defense Authorization Mm -hmm. Act, which is defense policy, and that's renaming the Confederate, the bases named after Confederate leaders, and that's a bill that will likely be brought to the floor um, in the next week or so. So even though Congress only has about a week left of votes scheduled, at least Kwanzaa Hall will be able to participate for that week. But you mentioned, like, what's the appeal? Even if he never got to cast a vote in Washington, Kwanzaa Hall, for the rest of his life, gets to say he's a former congressman. You know, he gets that title of congressman. He gets... um you know, if he ever wants to visit the U.S. Capitol and go on the floor, that's a privilege that's afforded to him as a member of Congress. You know, a lot of people have asked me, does he get benefits? Does he get health care? No, no, because he hasn't served long enough. He won't be vested. But so a lot of people worried about, is he going to make a big killing off of that? No, he's only going to get paid his congressional salary for those weeks he serves in Congress. Um, yes, he'll be able to hire some folks, but. I doubt he's going to hire more than one or two folks because he's only going to be serving for a couple of weeks, and again, they'll only serve for a few weeks because Nikema Williams is coming in and bringing her own team. So the benefits, the tangible benefits, are pretty. You know, there aren't there there aren't many of them, but the title is forever.
0: Yeah, and he gets gym access forever too, right?
1: Yes, that <laughs> gym, which uh, from what we hear. Is far from state of the art, but yes, if he wants to come to Washington just to work out at the house gym, apparently he can do that as well.
0: Nice, not not bad. Well, let's get to the the next few days in Georgia politics. Looking forward to the January fifth runoffs. We've got a action packed slate of events this weekend, starting with uh, Friday. Uh, you've got both Vice President Mike Pence is going to be in Atlanta. to to tour the CDC and then he's going to uh, headline a rally in Savannah and we'll be covering both those events. And then at the same time, um, President, former President Obama is holding a virtual rally with Senate candidates, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff. So, uh, you know, another indication of how high powered figures are playing a big role in these elections.
1: Yeah. And I think it's interesting that, you know, it's ramping up already. You know, we're about what, Mm, about a month out from yeah. the runoff and and you already have Obama coming to town. Usually he's like a closer, closer to Election Day, which I'm sure he may still come in person closer to Election Day. Sure. But the fact that he's already like getting involved, you know, Pence. And I know we're going to talk about President Trump coming like it's already ramping up. I'm sure the folks listening who live in Georgia know that because they can't turn on the TV without seeing ads, but nope. I think it's interesting that it's it's become so all-encompassing and also so like high profile. You know, there's nothing else politically that's bigger than Georgia right now.
0: Yeah, uh, and more than 300 million dollars has already been spent on TV ads alone, which is by far, a record in Georgia, so just keep that in mind when as as our listeners turn on their TVs that's that that all that all those ads cost a tremendous amount of money, and we 're not sure exactly what effect they'll have i don't I think they'll kind of balance each other out in the end, but who knows, but look you can 't have a discussion about President Trump coming to to Georgia without mentioning uh, and keying on the fact that he has been continuing to make these baseless claims of a rigged election of widespread voter fraud and what that's doing to the Republican base. And the other day I I went to a uh, quote unquote, stop the steal rally that two of his, several of his supporters had organized and they include Lynn Wood, the Atlanta attorney, uh, Sidney Powell, his disgraced uh, former campaign lawyer, and then several Georgia Republican officials. Um, And if if people thought this was a fringe group, if people thought this would just get a smattering of gawkers, uh, um, I don't know what I, exactly I was expecting, but, but I know that I was stunned to see a huge crowd there. Um, you couldn't park. Um, you know, people were parking. This was held at an Alpharetta, um, uh, park. Actually, where I used to. <laughs> last time I was there, I was running a cross country meet in high school, and I broke my arm running that, that course. <laughs> so, anyway, it was. A, it's a huge park, and people were parking on like on like hills and grass, and and there was hundreds, pro- probably close to a thousand people, had showed up on a Wednesday afternoon to listen to these 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 figures basically spew lies about the election and encourage Trump supporters not to vote on January 5th. They said, Lynn Wood said outright, do not vote. These people haven't earned your vote yet. Don't vote until they prove them themselves. And he was directly calling out not just senators Leffler and Purdue, but also governor Kemp, also Lieutenant governor, Jeff Duncan, also secretary of state, Brad Raffensperger, all these Republican officials who had, uh, uh, basically said no to Trump's demands to overturn the election results because they were following the law and
1: i I think it's so interesting because so far, President Trump, at least Lynn Wood and sidney Powell, their message is wrong, but it's consistent. You know they're saying the election was rigged, and therefore, what's the point in voting for these people? You know, it's all along that same line of not trusting the process, not trusting. Those who are leaders in Georgia, which happen to be Republicans, but from President Trump, what we have is this double speak. You know, he is encouraging votes for Leffler and Purdue, but also continuing to you know dispute election results and make misstatements about the integrity of the election. And to me, that that is the bigger problem. You know, if Donald Trump doesn't, because we know everything trickles down from him and he has not, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't see him saying, no, Linwood and Sidney Powell, you've gone too far. You know, they distance themselves from Sidney Powell, but they haven't, you know, it's, I think they haven't said, you know, she's wrong. Don't listen to her, you know? So they're allowing these folks to say stuff that really does undercut the message, but Trump is helping facilitate that.
0: Yeah, the mixed messaging here is 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 inescapable, right? Um, and President Trump has been saying rigged election, rigged election, rigged election over and over again. So, what message does that send to to the base um, who who Republicans are dependent on to show up? Because this is all about the base election. You're not they're, these candidates are not trying to to reach out to to undecided voters. <clears throat> it's not worth their. Really, it's not worth their time and energy uh, when, when they have got a pool of 2.5 million voters each to go depend on to turn out on January 5th. So if the base keeps on hearing about false, you know, all these false claims about a preordained result, then what message that send to them? I, I talked to a dozen or so people at this rally and I couldn't, I'll put it this way, only a small number of those folks said outright that they were going to vote in January 5th many of them were wrestling with that with that question and these are the these are the core trump supporters who who these two senate incumbents have to rely upon and it's kind of the the republican nightmare scenario is is a even if 5 or 10% of the base stays home um, they, they would otherwise vote because it's going to be a lower turnout no matter what but if 5 or 10% of the expected turnout range stays home then you've got democrats you know, resurgent Democrats who were right there and and could could flip these seats because of a depressed turnout.
1: Right, because we know, you know, Democrats. We we've said it all along. These races are about turnout, and we know Democrats are very focused on turnout, on boosting turnout. So if you have Democrats hyper focused on boosting turnout because they know that's been their Achilles heel in the past, and meanwhile you have Republicans. Depressing turnout, that really could make these runoffs a, a really different ball game than I think what we anticipated going in. I think it'll be interesting to see which Republicans, you know, there we know that privately there are frustrations, not just with President Trump, but with the platform that Lynwood and Sidney Powell have, have been getting. That's why, you know. We put in the jolt that, you know, people are now circulating that Lynn Wood has voted in Democratic primaries, which I think is interesting because I don't think anyone thinks he's a closet Democrat. You know what I mean? Like, but I think it'll be interesting to see why he was voting in Democratic primaries, because everything else he said publicly, if he's like a secret Democratic plant, he has been playing the long game. You know, (laughs) he's, you know, represented that young man in the defamation lawsuits against, you know, prominent media. He's the personal lawyer of Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, so in these things, you know, predate the current controversy. So anyways, but that makes it curious. And I get that there are, you know, there are Republicans who are frustrated with them, but again, not until Trump says something to quell this you know, this narrative that Purdue and Leffler aren't to be supported, it really may not turn the tide. But it to me, I wonder, will Trump's dominance when when Republicans start to realize that the the way Trump is playing things is going to negative negatively affect not just Leffler and Purdue, but we're talking more than that. We're talking about negatively affecting Mitch McConnell. We're talking about negatively affecting, you know, conservative industries and businesses who are reliant on a Republican led Senate to block progressive ideals and in policies that they think will hurt their bottom lines. It becomes Mm -hmm. bigger than Trump. And so I wonder as it becomes crunch time, which is around the time absentee ballots start going out, if, you know, if Trump doesn't change, Will there be anyone willing to challenge him in ways that we still haven't seen? Because the challenges have been coming from relatively relative peons in the in the national. You know, no offense to Governor Kemp, but Governor Kemp can't move, you know, the national scope of things yet. Not right now. Secretary of State Raffensperger can't do that. But there are some other Republicans who can, um, especially Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell can, you know, um, you know, some Former presidents, perhaps, or some some very um, very conservative uh, folks in the in the GOP, perhaps I don't know, but I'm just wondering if they even attempt to do so if they think the long game, you know, Trump is not
0: helping them with that. And look, and they're watching what's happening in Georgia, <clears throat> not just because of the runoffs, but they're watching the backlash that the few people in Georgia have faced. And let's be clear, too, um, you know. There's Secretary Raffensperger who has forcefully denounced the president and basically accused, uh, you know, uh, blamed him for being the author of his own defeat in Georgia by denigrating uh, absentee ballots. And then there's other Republicans who have defied Trump's calls, but also not. Not gone, gone aggressively after him, and that, that includes Governor Kemp and Lieutenant Governor Duncan. Both of them, well, Lieutenant Governor Duncan has has backed up Raffensperger's claims that, uh, uh, sorry, not his claims, his the facts that there has been no evidence of widespread fraud, uh, and told Republicans basically to move on. And Governor Kemp has has kind of tiptoed around the Trump issue. He has not he has not responded directly to to all of Donald Trump's. Uh, attacks on him and all that. He's instead said, look, I'm following the letter of the law and the letter of the law requires me to certify Georgia's 16 electors for when the election is certified. So he had, he's basically saying he had no choice but to do what he did uh, a couple weeks ago when he authorized the 16 state electors going to to the Democrats. Um, He said he will not call a special session because you can't change, um, you can't change voting laws midstream in the middle of of a vote. Um, and he's, but he's also said that there's some evidence of, you know, he said that they need to crack down an absentee ballot, um, and maybe make some changes next year. So they're trying to tow this really, uh, they're trying to navigate a really fine line here. It's not going to be easy for them, for Republicans. And you're, you're looking at a situation where a pro Trump loyalist could challenge not just Raffensburger, because that's definitely going to happen in my mind, but also Jeff Duncan and Governor Kemp in 2022. So it's going to be a, a, a you know an internal civil war that's already we're already seeing ignited here in Georgia. Will be going on for the next two years.
1: Yeah, and who do you you know do you have a sense as to which voices those folks at that Linwood and Sidney Powell event would listen to? You know what I mean, like. If other than President Trump, who would they listen to? Because clearly they're well, I'll not, tell you, not listening to other yeah.
0: Republicans. Well, they lionized Doug Collins. Mm. Um, and, and there's many people who I talked to there who think Doug Collins beat Kelly Loeffler. And and remember, Doug Collins fell six points short of Kelly Loeffler in the November election. She She got about 26 percent of the vote. He got about 20 percent. So there's many people in there who think that and I haven't really seen that. Out there as mm-hmm. much at all. I'll be honest, I haven't seen any of that sort of maybe I'm looking at the wrong social media streams um, but uh, but yeah they 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 believe that uh, some of those folks believe somehow that Doug Collins beat Kelly Leffler and by the way, Collins almost immediately conceded the race and endorsed her and mm-hmm. has even campaigned for mm-hmm. her. so he's not aggressively pushing that line. Um, so I think Doug's one of them. and then I'll say uh, he's a Democrat, but he's not he's not a Democrat. it's it's Vernon Jones. Um, and he was the only Republican on that stage. Yes, sorry, the only <laughs> person on that stage mm-hmm. uh, yesterday who was actively encouraging uh, the Republicans in the crowd to vote on January fifth. And he got kind of, you know, rebuked by Lynn Wood, who spoke right after him, saying, "Nope, don't vote. Not until these these issues are fixed. Uh, whatever the issues that you know, all those, all the kind of baseless claims." Um, but Vernon Jones has become a superstar among this crowd. And I would not rule him out running for some sort of statewide office, whether it be, I don't think governor, but maybe secretary of state, maybe lieutenant governor, who knows. Um, but Vernon Jones has definitely become a, uh, a a star in their eyes.
1: Wow, that's interesting. And as someone who, I wasn't covering DeCab when Vernon Jones was CEO, but I covered DeCab in recent years and had to learn a lot about DeCab during that time. Vernon Jones was CEO and being, you know, someone who studied some of the issues in DeKalb County during Vernon Jones's tenure. I can only imagine uh, (laughs) some of the fun that you that we will have in Georgia if Vernon Jones not only runs for statewide office, but somehow manages to win statewide office.
0: You got it. Yeah, no. know this is it's going to be a wild next two years in Georgia politics. But first, we've got to get through the runoffs. And before before you go, I'd like to talk quickly about Trump's visit to Valdosta, why he's visiting and what Republicans hope to hear. What they hope to hear from the president is basically him saying, look, guys, a vote for Kelly Leffler and David Perdue is a vote for me. Uh, what they don't want him to do is spend the entire time talking about, uh, you know, his baseless claims of a rigged election. And attacking fellow Republicans, because guess what guess what the news media people like me will focus on right I mean that that 's the story the story is he comes down here and attacks fellow Republicans and barely speaks about about the Senate candidates so there's two very different outcomes that could come of it I think we're gonna get a mix of both I think I think he'll say what he needs to say about about the two Senate incumbents, but I think he'll spend most of the time uh, on his own uh, grievances
1: yeah, and I think again that duality that double speak You know, it's just so interesting to me that Republicans in Georgia are being pulled in these two separate ways. And it seems so far that, you know, you can't, uh, it's so funny, to quote the Reverend Warnock in the pulpit, you can't serve two masters, you know? And so (laughs) um, it seems that Republicans realize they're being pulled in two different directions. And as we've noted, there's a there could be even a small percentage of Republicans who, as a result, move into the direction of not supporting Purdue and Leffler either because they don't believe that they've done enough to defend President Trump or they just don't believe in the validity of Georgia elections. Because you can't serve two masters. You can't believe Georgia elections are not run well, and your vote doesn't count. And also, I mean, you know, it just doesn't seem likely that someone who believes that will also then actively and enthusiastically participate in the election. And so that's the problem. And I agree. I do expect Trump to, you know, in his proverbial pulpit of of that rally, provide that double speak. But as a result, now those Republicans who are listening have to decide which master they're going to serve
0: because you can't serve both. You got it. You got it. And, and, and one more thing, because you just mentioned Reverend Warnock, Democrats are, are, are very much enjoying sitting back and, and, and popping open the, uh, popping some popcorn and watching the Republican infighting. Um, They have coalesced. They've, they've consolidated behind Reverend Warnock and John Ossoff. Um, And it's, it's kind of, interesting to watch on Twitter as so many Democratic and some never Trump Republicans are oh. egging on the whole don't vote <laughs> rhetoric. They're, they're saying, you know, what Linwood said is exactly right. Stay home, stay home. And they're purporting <laughs> oh to be some of them are kind of purporting to be Trump supporters and they're fake making fake accounts. It's been uh, it's been fascinating to watch this play out on social media, even though, of course, you know, we're, we're the ones on the ground Uh, covering all this fun Georgia political stuff. So much of it is happening on on the social media sphere. So Democrats are are kind of biding their time watching.
1: Right, because that's the thing. So, you know, the more the Republicans kind of have their own infighting, that allows Democrats to kind of like hold their fire. They don't need it right now. But all that means is Democrats are holding it. And because it's not like, you know, I'm not saying it would work. I'm not saying it would resonate, but – We know Democrats are spending a lot of money in hopes of swaying voters, but if they don't believe that they have to do that right now, that just means they get to save their resources for when, you know, things do calm down, if things do calm down. So it's also allowing the Democrats to like, you know, hoard resources and oppo research and zingers that they don't have to use right now, which also doesn't bode well.
0: You got it. Well, Tia, thank you so much for joining us. I know you got a, Run to go see the swearing in of Georgia's newest congressman for a month. Uh, But we really appreciated you having you here today. Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia. You'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. It really means a lot to us when you do. And as always, thank you for listening.
1: hip-hop is a product of black people it's a product of black song and celebration the atlanta journal constitution presents hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the south a southern hip-hop story we always go back to that moment of the source
0: awards everybody wants your rhythm but they don't want to blues. the biggest names in hip-hop
1: atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop
0: 50 years no one can deny one film the power of the south now the south got something to say Indictment Newsletter.